0: A Start on
1: demand. on demand.
2: A restriction-free Manitoba by spring? That's what Dr. Brent Rusin implied we could be looking at as they updated their public health orders on Wednesday. So we had a chat about that and a conversation about vaccine passports. Did they still make sense? And that vaccine passport, just one of many divisive issues on social media. So we had a conversation about that and its impact on our mental health. Is it time to change the way we do snow days? Kids in rural Manitoba have missed a lot of school since the beginning of 2022 and one school division is reviewing its policy and David Letterman spotted in a blue bomber's toque? We had fun today talking about random Manitoba references in pop culture. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb we are Mackling McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Thursday, February third podcast for the start. Mackling McGarry and McNab. Indeed, it is cold. I caught a chill like a half hour ago, uh, and I'm I'm actually shivering right now. <laughs> so, that's how cold it is outside. Uh, that I'm shivering inside. Hello there, Greg. How are you, sir? I'm doing not too bad, Brett. I guess it
1: hasn't, at least yet, got as cold as we thought it would, right? The forecast low was minus 35 at minus 29 right now, but we know sometimes it gets a little colder before the sun comes up. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if this is as cold as it gets, I guess uh, we escape uh, the worst of it or the potentially the worst of it. I went out and did my normal... Uh, Timmy's run this morning wasn't wasn't too too bad had the vehicles plugged in so no problem starting things if you didn't plug your vehicle in though Loren it might be tough starting and what are we expecting maybe in terms of uh, getting school buses going this morning?
3: Well that's the big question I saw so many people you know, depending on where you live, inside Winnipeg, of course, there hasn't really been – there's been some bus cancellations. There have been some challenges with the extreme cold and snow, but there hasn't really been that many cancellations in Winnipeg besides the odd bus. But the school divisions were saying last night inside Winnipeg, reminding parents that the threshold, you know, is for minus 35 at the to- forks as the temperature and or minus 45 at the wind. We're not there in Winnipeg just yet. If you're outside Winnipeg, though – the situation is vastly different. There's been five, six, seven, nine snow days in some school divisions, 10. And I, on the Facebook pages and social media pages of some of my kids, friends, moms, everyone's like, are these kids going to school tomorrow or what? <laughs> like, because it's been a lot, it's been many, many days. And we get it. it's about keeping the kids safe. You don't want them go- being on a bus and have it break down. You don't want to be, get caught in like really bad whiteout conditions on the road. Everybody understands that. But man, in some school divisions, it's been, there have been a lot of snow days and so outside the city I believe Prairie Rose School Division's already put out a note Brett saying uh, there's some impact already to that division. So yeah, here we go. I mean, it's been it's been a week of weeks. I thought today was Friday just to add <laughs> you know to the uh pain of that. But yeah, Prairie Rose School Division the buses weren't running yesterday. We're waiting to see what they have to say today and yes, they're not running today. In the Prairie Rose School Division, community school and Hatterian Colony school sites are open, but student attendance, wow. attendance is at parental discretion, where travel is required. So, well, if that's they don't go the today,
1: first. at least oh, sorry, Loren, at least, if they don't go today, at least they can go tomorrow, right? No,
3: there's also in my school division there's a PD day tomorrow. Come so on, if, if your parents have been, <laughs> if you're in a school division where you've had, you know, say two, three, maybe four snow days this week, and now you you also have a pd day tomorrow so i love my kids but
2: <laughs> that's the clip that's the soundbite i love my kids but uh, well, i love it.
3: i just want them to you know it's not really about the snow days are fun it's hard to make them fun and have a relaxed day every Snow day, if you're you're getting one or two a week, which is where we're at for January, February right now, right? So it's one thing to say, okay, fine, we'll stay home and we'll have hot chocolate and we'll watch movies, but you can't be doing that every day of the week. So they got to learn.
2: Well, it's been a crazy January indeed. And another uh, crazy day yesterday in terms of fire. And that fire, Greg, I mean, there there were multiple fires again yesterday, but that one that was on Portage at Portage and Langside, it was the weirdest thing. I was walking home, and the 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 smoke coming from that... I mean, it was just a huge uh, a pillar of smoke that was coming out, but it was aimed directly at the legislature, and it was going over the legislature. And at first, it was hard to breathe just walking through there as I was walking home. But it was like dropping debris and ash all over the, the grounds. I don't know that it... I mean, I guess that's common, but I've never seen that and especially to see it go going blowing blocks away that was uh that was quite the blaze
1: yeah a little startling too i suppose i guess you could see how uh, in forest fire situations in particular those embers can can travel so far and and start fires uh you know the, kilometer or or maybe even further away from the source of those fires so yeah that uh, one of the buildings in question uh, is home to the West End Biz we speak to them every once in a while here on the show I know there are lots of people that are incredibly fond of that collection of older buildings on Portage Avenue at Langside uh, in between sort of the two University of Winnipeg sites there and so uh, more Winnipeg heritage gone destroyed and concern about that building actually you know even though the fire it sounds like they've got most of it out but there's concern about what's left of that building collapsing and at one point yesterday loren there were three fires i guess we say in uh in the radio world three working fires at once yesterday uh, and that's just a couple of days after we had a huge fire out in this corner of the city uh condo development uh, under construction that burnt to the ground so Fighting fires in this extreme cold cannot be fun.
3: No. So after seven, we're going to visit with the Winnipeg Fire Paramedic Service, not just to talk about that extreme cold, but just the toll it takes to, yes, it's their job, right? To run out to fires, to prevent them, to stop them, to control them, to keep them from spreading to other buildings but when there's one after the other and when you're out there in these conditions in this cold not just faced with the frigid temperatures but with people who might be staring up at the building thinking oh my gosh what a loss or staring up and thinking about their possessions that are inside or their family members or their pets i mean there's all been tremendous loss over the past months when it comes to some of these fires and so we're going to chat with the winnipeg fire paramedic service just after seven
2: and we're going to also talk about the fact that David Letterman was wearing a a bomber toque. GMAC.
1: I actually caught this yesterday. Uh, yesterday morning, I have my TV on in front of me, and so it's on uh, CKND Channel Nine, Cable Twelve, <laughs> the Global <laughs> the Global News Morning. And then, of course, that's from six till nine with uh, Gabby and Kayla. And then uh, from nine till ten, there's a national program. And they highlighted on their national program with Jeff MacArthur and Carolyn McKenzie the fact that David Letterman had been spotted outside of of 30 Rock. He'd made an appearance in honor of the 40th anniversary of the first episode of Late Night with David Letterman on Seth Meyers' show. Well, he's wearing a Winnipeg Blue Bombers 2019 Grey Cup Champions toque. That caught somebody's attention. I've shared that on Twitter. It's been shared on Twitter thousands of times uh, from various uh, individuals. We want to know, how did he get the toque? It's awesome that he's wearing it, and it's also going to uh, be fodder for our having coffee talking segment later
2: on this hour. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, our public health orders, Lorena, are going to gradually start to relax next week.
3: Yeah, so as of Tuesday, as I think we all know now, that's February 8th, capacity will expand at private gatherings, so a household can have 24 others indoors, 50 people outdoors, as long as all people are vaccinated. Sports and rec tournaments are back on as of Tuesday. Alcohol can now be sold at licensed restaurants until midnight. Right now, it can't be sold past 10. And the Jets can have thousands, not just hundreds, in the stands as capacity goes back up to. 50% starting Tuesday. And again, the caveat there is that everyone in attendance is vaccinated. And so the new public health orders will be in effect for a couple of weeks. And then... Well, Dr. Brent Roosan was asked, what comes after that? Well,
4: certainly it's a thing that we've, we're always discussing, you know, the, the, the short-term and medium and long-term approaches to, to things. So we don't have specific dates, um, and, and it's really challenging to come up with uh, specific dates. I think the message is that um, given where we are, uh, we are right now, um, if, uh, if we don't see anything unexpected, that we're looking at a, a restricting, restriction-free Manitoba by spring.
1: Well, hooray to that. Who doesn't want that? Who isn't looking forward to not having to wear a mask when you go outside or go outside your home and go somewhere else? Who isn't looking forward to not having to worry about whether or not I've got my smartphone or my physical vaccine card? I think we're all looking forward to this. The only thing that concerns me, and I'm not trying to be a negative Nelly here, the only thing that concerned me about yesterday... And the presentation and the announcement from the province, it was short on details. It was short on statistics, long on philosophy, long on broad picture conversation, but it was short on specifics in terms of where we anticipate this will put, these, these decisions and this move starting next week will put the hospital system. Because for me, that's what it's been all about. That's the biggest, the, you know, one A, I got the vaccinations for myself. I wear a mask for myself. But one B is I do these things for everybody else to keep them safe and really close behind that breath for me is the hospitalization, the stress on the, on the healthcare system. And I just didn't find that there was a lot of specifics in terms of what we anticipate this move, these moves to do in terms of hospitalizations.
2: Yeah, indeed. Yeah. The the message that remains that they continue to deliver is get vaccinated. But they it's just it's starting to feel repetitive. We hear it at the federal level. We're hearing it at the provincial level. I get it. But maybe just like give us a little bit more context, a little bit more information, some stats to say here's what like this is why you need to get vaccinated because a lot of people are. I hear from people who are like, you know what, uh, I, I, I haven't gotten vaccinated at this point and why bother because they, they think Omicron isn't that big of a deal. So, But we are going to have a conversation, Loren, coming up at 8.35 uh, because a lot of people are asking, like, does a vaccine passport still make sense?
3: That question's being asked because there are other jurisdictions that are lifting passport requirements. The UK a few weeks ago said in large gatherings, you know, concert events, they're not going to have that passport requirement. There are experts in that part of the world that said, no, 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 don't lift that. We need them. But there's some diverging opinions on this. At one point, you know, the vaccine was passport was about fighting the virus, and that's been important. But it's also been about uh, getting people to sign up for the vaccine. And does that still make sense? So we still need that carrot dangled in front of people. So we're going to have that chat about vaccine passports. Do they still make sense at eight thirty-five,
2: Want to give away a pizza gift card? Santa Lucia, $20. And Greg Mackling, this has to do with a toque. That's right. Tuesday marked the
1: 40th anniversary of the airing of the first episode of one of the most popular television shows ever late night with David Letterman show made its debut February 1st, 1982. Bill Murray was his first guest, Loren, star of Groundhog day. I thought that would make you very happy. I to mark the anniversary, moments. Letterman <laughs> joined Seth Meyers on his show. And the hubbub in these parts is the fact that Letterman was wearing a 2019 Winnipeg Blue Bombers Great Cup Champions toque on his way in and out of 30 Rock. Now, it's not the 2021 version. That needs correcting. But we also would love to know how Letterman got his hands on the gorgeous piece of merchandise. This morning, we're talking about our favorite Winnipeg pop culture references, maybe your favorite made-in-Manitoba movie, your favorite Manitoban to make the international stage. Lots of latitude here, but uh, this is by far one of my favorite Manitoba-slash-Winnipeg pop culture references, Brett. And now,
2: the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers,
5: David (laughs) Letterman!
2: (laughs) turn it over to you. All right, so let's go around the horn here, and you can weigh in at 204-780-6868. Jeff, Braun, why don't we start with you? I know you're a huge fan of Letterman.
0: Yeah, I love all that Letterman stuff. Uh, The one I picked, though, was from a movie in 2014, David Fincher's Gone Girl, which starred uh, Ben Affleck and Rosamund Pike. And in this scene, Rosamund Pike and Neil Patrick Harris are trying to lie low. They're at a hotel casino, and NPH tells someone they're just tourists from Winnipeg.
3: No, we're from Winnipeg.
0: Excuse us. (laughs) It's very quick. When when it happened, the first time I saw it, it was really jarring just because you just weren't expecting it. Uh, And I would also point out the new and excellent Pam and Tommy series that debuted yesterday on Disney Plus, as a Winnipeg mentioned in episode two.
2: Yeah, I, that that I watched the, the first the three episodes they released yesterday. That's excellent, by the way. Uh, so the couch potatoes will have more on that podcast. uh, will be released by about three o'clock this afternoon. Um, Mr. Poitras, uh,
4: well, I'd have to say
2: my favorite was like because it came at like the height.
4: I was such a big Office fan, but the fact when they did that episode when they were coming to Winnipeg, uh, that was like so super cool. But uh, kind of curtailing on sort of the back of that uh, the Letterman sort of Blue Bomber Took thing. I was talking to my wife about that, and she pointed me out to the fact that Tom Hanks has been spotted several times wearing uh, Winnipeg Jets merchandise, and he's been photographed wearing Winnipeg Jets hats. Uh, His son, Colin Hanks, has tweeted about the Winnipeg Jets, giving his thumbs up to the to the latest heritage uh, jerseys, so, and I'm wondering how that even came to be. How does Tom Hanks? Become, I know he's a, and this is a slight against him. I know he's a Hamilton Tiger Cats fan. He was at the Great Cup because uh, he's good friends, of course, with Martin Short from Hamilton, um, and 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 Martin Short is a, is a, a tie Cats fan. So I, I know he's a Tiger Cats fan. I know he's not a Bombers fan, but him and his wife Rita Wilson, they were producers of my big fat Greek wedding, which there of course was written and starred by uh, Neo Vardalos, uh, Winnipeg's uh, Neo Vardalos. So. I'm I'm thinking that's got to be it, but yeah, Tom Hanks uh, a, apparently a fan of the Winnipeg uh, Winnipeg Jets, so I, I thought that was pretty cool.
2: How many Jets uh, pictures are there of Tom Hanks out there in the in the wild, Mister Poitras? I was
4: able to find two on my Google search. Just so to... I was able to find two of them.
2: Wow! So just like yeah. so that probably means there are more. Yeah,
4: well, yeah, yeah, like he just, probably just, maybe, maybe he's got like a, everyone's got like that jet that uh, Jets shirt that they got like back in 2011 when the team came back, that's now reverted to sort of your outdoor, you know, like gardening <laughs> shirt, so maybe he's got like several of those that he putzes around his place in LA with or something. For all
0: we know, he could have like a real fancy cabin out in the Lake of the Woods somewhere or something like that. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that, that have that, and that, uh, you know, celebrities Kurt have. Kurt Russell you know. and Goldie Hawn? Yeah, yeah, what? Kurt Russell and Goldie
1: Hawn?
3: Yeah, what, really?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, look, and Tim McGraw, I think. That's the too? word. That's the word that they have
2: a cottage out on Lake of the Woods. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's neat. Um, Lorraine, what
3: about you? Well, a just stole my office reference, <laughs> so I've really got nowhere oh, else to go with sorry. this. But I watched that whole ship. No, no, no. <laughs> that whole episode looking for something that was Winnipeg related, and of course, it was never filmed here. And your conversation about Tom Hanks and getting excited that Colin Hanks wears Jets jerseys reminds me of every time we go to a concert and, you know, the singer band will step out in a Jets uniform or a Bombers uniform that's been given to them by the organization. And for whatever reason, everyone's like, yeah, they love the jet." Like they were just handed that jersey 20 minutes ago. And of course, they're going to put it on. But you have that real feeling of pride for some reason when they do it. I love the Grey's Anatomy one second phone call that they took from St. Bonnie Face Hospital. And I thought that was a great Winnipeg show. That's right. (laughs) They didn't pronounce it properly, but they took a phone call from some nurse or doctor from St. Bonnie Face Hospital (laughs) in Winnipeg. I remember
2: that. Oh, that's dynamite. (laughs) For me, I think one of the most random, there's a a Bruce Willis movie that came out, I think in 1999 called Breakfast of Champions. And it was uh, this weird sort of quirky little movie. And he played this shady... Uh, car i think he owned a car dealership and he had to flee he he basically had to go on the run and uh <laughs> yeah but he, he to an undisclosed location but he told his assistant if anybody calls just tell them that i've taken a vacation to manitoba and uh and th- that was it, it just it, i was watching it with a buddy and i thought holy smokes that was random and so uh, i think jeff said it, it's jarring when you're not expecting this random random in Winnipeg or Manitoba references. Right, Jeff?
0: Yeah, and it makes you wonder what the people like in New York or Los Angeles think, because like 80% of all entertainment is, you know, set in one of those two cities kind of thing, so it it must not even register with them most (laughs) of the time. And Mackling? I've heard... What's that? Go ahead, Mackling. No, I was just going
1: to say some of the theories about how Winnipeg is become this character in Hollywood has to do with David Steinberg and all the work that he's done on uh, various uh, comedies over the years either as a director or a writer Steinberg uh, one of the best stand-up comedians of all time proud of his Winnipeg roots so there has been some conjecture over the years that he's sort of he sort of planted these Winnipeg references over the years and then so it becomes a a, a go-to that, that that's completely non-scientific but part of the conversation about Winnipeg's popularity and and how often it shows up in these pop culture uh, references.
2: Your favourite Winnipeg and Manitoba pop culture references. Text us at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win some Santa Lucia pizza. $20 gift card. We'll give it away at 9.15. (laughs) 15. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we are asking you at 204-780-6868 about your favorite Winnipeg or Manitoba pop culture references after David Letterman was spotted sporting a Winnipeg Blue Bombers 2019 Grey Cup champion, Took. Greg, what do we got on our text lots line? Of,
1: people, of course, lots of people re- referencing the Simpsons and when they came to Winnipeg and, of course, the famous, that's it, we're going back to Winnipeg. That was uh, probably uh, one of the more famous Simpson references. And of course, the uh, welcome to Winnipeg sign. We were born here, what's your excuse? That's one, I think when they came here for the cheap uh, medications. Vince said, uh, don't forget life in pie, our life of pie and the journey they make to a zoo in Winnipeg. And uh, Loren, is your your burly up and running this morning?
3: It sure is. Do you see Chris's uh, text message? Go ahead. Yeah. So Chris says, in 2004, none other than U of M's Professor Popsicle appeared on Letterman. He was immersed in a giant bag of ice cubes (laughs) and ice water live on the show. Gord Giesberg presented Dave with many Winnipeg gifts and the University of Manitoba provided U of M Bison's sportswear. It's so funny because here we had this guy, Professor Popsicle, in our midst. And it was suddenly he appears on Letterman and we're all like, who is this guy? Like in Winnipeg, I don't feel like he was known for me anyway, until he made that Letterman appearance. And then we were constantly asking him to do crazy things like jump in the river when it's freezing cold.
2: <laughs> he's And he's he's been on our show and given us some great tips on how to, to stay warm at yeah. things like bomber games. Uh, what was the tip he said? Bring a phone book and put it under your feet if you still have a phone book. <laughs> uh, he's in
3: that big ice pool and he's like, okay, so David, the key here is... <laughs> Just to move slowly to the, uh uh-huh, Letterman says, like, as if he's ever going to be immersed in ice cold water, but you never know.
2: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we're going to talk social media and the negative or the positive impact it can have on your mental wellness, particularly as it pertains to divisive issues on social media. But first, question of the day CJOB.com for Credit Aid. Worried about your debt? Call 204 987 6890, CreditAid.ca. The new health orders in Manitoba are opening things up even more. What do you think? 75% say good, it's time. say it's fine for other people, but I still won't be going out much. And uh, 9% say bad. It's too early. You can still cast your vote on that at cjob.com, but we will be updating that very soon. And keep those texts coming on your favorite Winnipeg or Manitoba pop culture references. Or maybe you had a Winnipeg or Manitoba encounter while you were traveling somewhere. This text made me laugh. I forgot completely about this character, G-Mac, on an episode of Cheers! Cheers! Carla's husband, Eddie LeBeck, yes. was a Bruins, yep. Bruins goalie That's who Carla right. said was once traded from the Leafs to the Winnipeg Jets. He walks
1: in and she rattles off all the teams that he's played for and all the different trades, and uh, it is absolutely a wonderful episode. And you often wonder, how, how did I manage to see that? Because I know I didn't see all the Cheers episodes, <laughs> but just happened to be watching the night that Eddie LeBeck walked into Cheers.
2: He was a good character, hey, Run.
3: Oh, and I was just thinking, like, what age? Is in theory he was retired or did he still play?
1: He still played and then he joined the Ice Capades. He actually got killed by a Zamboni, if I'm not mistaken. Because I
3: was trying to think, what age was Carla supposed to be on that show? Was she in her 30s or 40s? Or, like, I don't think so, but he was still skating. So that's what was weird about it. I was just trying to nail that down.
2: Keep those texts coming for a chance to win the Santa Lucia pizza gift card. We'll give it away at 9.15. Now, if you spend any time on social media, you may have noticed of late that... Somehow, it has managed to become even more angry, whether it's the truck convoy and related protests or public health orders or people complaining about Wordle. It doesn't take much effort to find a grumpy space on social media. And if you let it, it can have a brutal effect on your mental health. Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman with Clinic Psychology Manitoba is here to help us with that. Raymond, good morning to you. Good morning to you, folks. So the easiest solution I know is... Just don't look, but uh, let's just put that aside because if someone chooses to enter the fray on social media, should they be preparing themselves for battle
6: uh, well i I think we need to be prepared in in today's world to have a to have a better informed point of view on what's happening in the world um, I, I think long I want to read you a quote. I think that answers that. You know, This is from uh, Auschwitz uh, survivor, uh, Primo Levi. He says, monsters exist, but they are too few in number to be truly dangerous. More dangerous are the common men, the functionaries ready to believe and act without asking questions. And so, you know, there's this concept of a bystander effect where, you know, we if we turn away and we look thinking somebody else will deal with the issue, the issue is actually not dealt with, and we end up with with a bigger problem. And I think part of what we're seeing today is uh, social media is reflective of what's happening in the real world and the reason we're seeing some of those things is because we've been politely turning away. So, I do think we need to be ready to have a point of view and to be more informed about those and to speak our minds about them. The question is where? And social media, ironically enough, isn't necessarily the best place to do that.
1: Kelly Moore, our colleague Raymond calls it unsocial media, and or anti-social media is uh, probably apropos description as well. At times, it is absolutely buyer beware when you enter the fray. I like your advice of, of being educated on on what you're going to post but uh, sometimes things get really personal you can put something that yeah. that has merit and then people will will take it a right turn or a left turn and or a u-turn and turn it into some sort of personal bashing and and that really defeats the entire purpose sometimes
6: oh yeah no absolutely that i think when we put something out there it's about when we, whenever we put an opinion out there i think we have to be ready to to get some people who are not always going to be happy with that. I just don't know that we need to be looking to social media to take some of those comments personally. Like, I just, I, I have a, uh, you know, I, I put out a bias test some, uh, sometime in the fall last year, and I'm getting random emails from people who are so angry about the test, you know, like just random people. Um, and so, you know, you have to take that with a pinch of salt. You have to understand that those people are not necessarily people closer to you. The issue is when it's when people who are close to you on social media that that speak up against you. You With social media, there's like this invisible barrier that allows people to be jerks sometimes. You know, I think if they're not facing you face-to-face, they don't have the common decency to manage how to have a good conversation. And so I would simply take it to real life and say, happy to want to talk about this. You know, next time we talk on the phone or something, let's talk about this. And I think the moment we have a real person on the other end and it's somebody that we know and we have to face them, we have some greater sense of social decorum and the manners of how to have those conversations. That said, we are still going to have people who disagree with us. and I think that disagreement I like I, I'm not saying that all educated people will agree, but I think most of the rationale behind certain things have good research and backing behind them and if we can understand those we not we not we may not 100% agree on the fine details but we're generally going to agree that most people here are trying to mean well to protect people
3: just to our tip line our text line right now raymond is a listener that says wow crazy timing on your show topic today i deleted my facebook app last night as it was getting too negative i thought it was just me I've been there this week. I've been there in weeks past. And and part of me wants to go ahead and do that so I can eliminate that from my life. And at the same time, when there is minimal social contact right now, and that is changing, I know, with restrictions changing. But when it's minimal, it's sometimes your only way of seeing what's going on in the world. You feel like it is. And then I feel like if you get rid of that, well, maybe I, I need to hear those diverging opinions. Maybe I need to have them in my face so I understand how other people are feeling. And so I, I'm never really sure what the right answer or where to take that when it comes to my use and my my personal feelings about different apps, Raymond.
6: Yeah, no, that's, that's really a good point. Social media is like our media now. And the, my recommendation is always the same as it would be with the news. Like, you know, look at it to be informed and then turn it off. The dilemma with, like, you know, where is... You know, I think about myself when I was younger. Uh, it was just the news. I wasn't really necessarily getting the news or being bombarded with it, you know, with notifications on a regular basis. And now we don't just have the news. We have people's opinions showing up as notifications. So, so I think silencing notifications is really important and then choosing when you're getting to be online. And that way you're not getting bombarded with opinions or negative points of views or, or anything that you don't want to listen to or want to listen to. But you're choosing the times when you get to get on there versus being a passive responder to the notifications you're getting on your phone on a regular basis.
2: Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman rahman with Clinic Psychology Manitoba, thank you very much for your time as always, sir. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb coming up after Global News at 9 o'clock. Do we need to change the way that we do snow days as far as school is concerned? I mean how many did, kids have been home like what nine days this month already, Loren? Times 10
3: that's what it feels like (laughs) there hasn't been 90 days in the year but yeah uh, i think we're at eight in our school division i was texting with a listener in rolling river school division which of course has been a dosa i think i want to say he said 10 maybe more they're not in school this year and that's not since january that's since the fall but for for a lot of people it's been a record number of snow days. And then you throw the five days of remote learning in there. You throw in the fact that you might be a close contact. So then the kids have to stay home or your kids have COVID and they have to stay home. There's, you know, for some, if you add it up, there's 20, 30 missed school days. And so we're going to speak to the superintendent of a school division about what they're looking at when it comes to snow days and the conversations they're having just about making sure kids can stay connected a little bit. Not, you know, if there's one or two snow days, let the kids have a snow day. You get to 10, you might be thinking to yourself, that's a lot of lost learning.
2: Meanwhile, kids in Winnipeg, Greg, are probably just mad.
3: Yeah, be quiet about yours. I'll take your snow days.
1: <laughs> well, I've, I've mentioned this in the last few weeks here and maybe even this week. The last official, and I have this on very good authority, the last official snow day in Winnipeg School Division Number 1, that doesn't count the buses not running, but where classes were were canceled, was way back in April 1997 when we had the blizzard ahead of the flood of the century so it goes back a long way and i can realistically only recall one day uh in my time in winnipeg i spent four years in the brandon school division but in my years in winnipeg i can remember only one day and that was the friday ahead of the 86 blizzard they sent us home early on Remembrance Day weekend. And I think if memory serves, Remembrance Day was on the 11th. So they preemptively canceled school on the 12th. And we went back to school, or uh, on the 10th rather, we went back to school
2: on the 12th. Okay, so uh, that's coming up after Global News at nine. But right now want to talk about how starting Tuesday, you can have more people in your home, if vaccinated. Restaurants can serve alcohol later, but again, only to the vaccinated. And fans will be back in the stands at Winnipeg Jets games as it moves towards 50% capacity. Again, proof of two doses will be required to get into those games.
3: Now, there are some changes, Brett, coming for the unvaccinated as well, or those who might just have the one shot. You know, when it comes to gatherings, there's some rule changes, and there... People might forget this, but a few months ago, capacity limits went into retail stores in some communities in Southern Health Region because their vaccination rates were low. And so they were capped at 50 percent at some stores in Southern Health. Well, that cap is being lifted as of Tuesday. But for the most part, most of the rules we've been living under will still come with some sort of vaccine caveat. So we're not alone in that. BC said just this week, Greg, that it's going to extend the passport requirement until at least the end of June in that province.
1: On the flip side, Lorraine, earlier this week, Denmark lifted almost all of its vaccine requirements for places like restaurants and bars. And last month, the UK announced face masks would no longer be mandatory in public places and schools, along with vaccine passports having been dropped for large events. Epidemiologist, our friend Cynthia Carr, is the founder of Epi Research and joins us now to discuss. Cynthia, good morning. Good morning. So lots of diverging opinions on this one, as, as we're accustomed to by now during this pandemic. What do the numbers show when it comes to vaccine passports? Are they effective?
5: Well, you know, there's still a, a lot of conversation about uh, the effectiveness of, of vaccine passports and why, you know, the the two primary purpose of, or goals of passports are typically stated as we want to prevent transmission uh, and we want uh, to keep people out of the hospital. Um, and, you know, all of us would say, well, yeah, that's that would those would be some common goals we can all agree on. We want to prevent transmission and we don't want people to get very sick. but the conversation is really um, how effective are uh, vaccines uh, in preventing transmission? Uh, you know, studies are showing they appear to be in the shorter term, but um, you know, it can. We know we talk about waning immunity. So, how are we protecting people um, with these rules? And and really, it's about the the. The more people you have together as we know the more potential there is for spread and if if you have more people at high risk uh, being unvaccinated we know it's higher risk for uh, poor health outcomes Um, those are the people that could end up getting very sick um, if they're in in groups with uh, you know high transmission still going on
3: so when we talk about passports cynthia and the idea that you know the proof of vaccination What do we need to look at next? Is it how it's spreading? Is it those hospitalization rates? Is it maybe moving it to that third dose? Because we hear so often with Omicron, that booster is what's really helping things out. Because there's a lot of people who might say, well, hang on, other jurisdictions are changing the way they go. What do we need to consider if that's a road we go down in the weeks or months ahead?
5: You always have to understand what the the reason and purpose is be behind changing rules, whether it's more restrictive or less vaccine passports or not. So we have to understand what's going on in other countries that have made those decisions. Where they are already at their peak, they're seeing transmission declining significantly, and they feel that you know they're in a in a safer place to start uh, lifting some of those tools uh, to prevent spread and prevent, um, you know, the worst case outcomes. And obviously, you know, those are all vaccine, vaccine passport, masks, uh, gathering sizes, those are all pieces of the puzzle to look at. So we have to be careful about constantly saying well europe did this denmark did this yeah and they were you know they were marches and protests and that's okay too that's part of society and it should be um but again it's what are reacting to it and my my thoughts right now are to continue to watch the data uh because we still have a large number of people in hospital that are very sick
2: as far as the the vaccine passport goes some look Mm -hmm. at it as you know this is designed to to protect people who are not vaccinated and others see it as discriminatory and and segregation um, and and get quite angry about it. So when uh, you see that that kind of anger or maybe if you maybe you speak to to people who uh, would consider themselves on that side of the fence, you know, how do you is there a way to, to help them see it differently?
5: right and and that's a a great point there's a range of conversation that goes from you know is this a good idea Is it ethical? Is it even legal? You know, it it gets sort of like, where are we at in terms of our thoughts? Um, And for all of those, to what end? Again, what is our common goal? And what does the evidence seem to show uh, that these kinds of measures uh, do uh, to help us uh, achieve those common goals, as I said, which are obviously preventing transmission uh, if possible, but most importantly, keeping people out of the hospital, hospital keeping people from being very sick so i know for example in quebec where they're you know having even more strict restrictions they're also implementing a phone line for people that have questions concerns multilingual uh phone lines and also continuing with pop-up clinics uh with uh people again that are from the community to be there to speak to people uh that live in the community and that still have questions and concerns and that's okay it's part of life to have questions and concerns but again Our common goal should not be arguing and fighting. It should be, let's get healthy. Let's get through this.
1: So my reaction uh, this morning when we were talking about this, Cynthia, was just the fact that, hey, I want to get to where the government says we're going to get by spring as bad as anybody does. Mm -hmm. However, yesterday's public health announcement and these changes felt a little bit more philosophical. They felt a little bit more conversational about where we'd like to get to and, and, you know, we're done with this and, and it's time to do, to move forward and to, to make some changes here. But there was very little data provided uh, that if this, if we do this, this is where the hospitalizations will, will be in a week or two weeks. Is there enough data out there? And have we stopped discussing the, the data, at least publicly in terms of justifying our decisions and our moves on this front?
5: Well, I mean, it would be ideal, obviously, if we had, you know, ongoing uh, kind of surveillance data, so we could see where those uh, the transmission is occurring, if there's outbreaks, if there's super spreader events, if there's changing uh, demographics uh, at all in terms of who's uh, getting infected or changing momentum. So obviously, we have limited resources. There's been some changes in testing, but um, you know, we can see in Canada and Manitoba, most provinces. Saskatchewan's getting there now. Certainly, uh, a downward trend in cases, um, but we're not there yet with deaths. We're sort of—I I can see the trends. We're, uh, you know, still kind of on the upward swing there. Those those data are always what we call lagging indicators. We've talked about before. It takes a couple weeks often uh, to see uh, the the severe illness also kind of um, plateau and then start going down again. So, do I think that we have the the data on the severity outcomes right now? No. Um, but I am comforted that there's, you know, continued uh, wastewater analysis work going on. Um, you know, those are all pieces of uh, surveillance that need to be considered.
2: Cynthia Carr, we are out of time, but we thank you so much for joining us once more uh, to discuss this uh, particularly tricky question. It is. Mackling McGarry and McNabb in our next segment. We are going to give away that $20 gift card for Santa Lucia pizza based on your text messages on Winnipeg and Manitoba pop culture references. Like Kevin, who reminds us that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers team bus was just featured on The Simpsons. The Barley Jacks leave the Atoms Field all at once to purportedly try their luck in the Canadian Football League. So, Kevin, thank you for that. Last chance to get in. Shoot us a text, 204-780-6868, and we'll pick a winner in our next segment. Depending on where you live in this province, your kids have had anywhere from a handful to 10, 11, 12 snow days.
3: Yeah, and if you throw in remote learning... Maybe the possibility that your kid was a close contact and had to isolate for 10 days, or maybe they even had COVID and had to isolate for several days, or maybe they had all of the above and have been home for what feels like many, many days. There are a lot of areas in this province where Manitoban school-aged kids have been spending a lot of time at home. And we know divisions across the province are looking for ways to deal with that. And yesterday, in my kid's own school division, Sane River, the superintendents put out a note saying, quote, We are fully aware that closing schools is a huge burden for our parents and can be detrimental to the learning of our students. St. River School Division will be reviewing our policies and regulations that govern how we proceed with these closures. And this includes the possibility that going forward, when extreme weather conditions occur and kids are at home, staff will work to connect with kids more online, Greg.
1: Yeah, I think in the first uh, day or two, the first couple of snow days,
3: yeah, I'll let the kids have some fun. Well,
1: now as we approach double digits and supersede it in some places, the discussion has certainly changed. Simon Laplan is co-superintendent of the Seine River School Division and joins us now. Good morning, Simon. Good morning. Bonjour. We appreciate you taking some time with us. Eight snow days in your school division so far this school year. How does that compare to previous years?
7: Well, it's uh, it's a lot because uh, last year I think we had uh, one snow day. Uh, now we're up to eight this year, so quite a big uh, of a difference.
1: Can you outline for us the the criteria for a snow day? How do you ultimately make that decision?
7: Well, it depends on the the conditions, right? So uh, if we know that there's a blizzard advisory or if there's a storm advisory, uh, we'll get up. I'll get up at five o'clock. I get my uh, transport uh, uh, transportation supervisor to go drive uh, around. Uh, he's got some of his bus drivers that check uh, the various areas of our school division because our school division is has a huge geographical area, and then they get, they give me a report, and then I get in touch with the other superintendent from the area, like uh, other our neighbor the school division. We talk, we compare notes, and then we make a decision. And it it can be based on visibility or uh, like uh, uh, yesterday, for the day before it was a blizzard, yesterday was all the back roads in our division uh, are plugged up, snowed in, very dangerous for bus to to go down there. Uh, A lot of people don't understand that driving a school bus and driving a car or a truck is a very different thing. And so these are the kind of decisions we have to make. Today, we were closed. Our threshold is minus 45. Uh, we all, we, none of us closed this morning because it was like uh, the average seems to be around minus 43. So it depends on, on the uh, situation. And there's a process we follow. We also have policies in our school division we need to, to respect and follow as well. What are you hearing from parents well, I mean, you get it. I mean, you said it. Parents are very frustrated. I mean, for a lot of parents, uh, having to stay home means losing lo- losing income because if you're not working, you're not being paid. Uh, for our kids, it's it's a lot, you know learning that is not happening. I mean, for, uh, for example, uh, Saint River School Division have, has a very strong French immersion program where kids being at home uh because immersion kids are from an anglophone family they're not practicing their french and that that's problematic so we you know th- th- there's a loss of learning there's a loss uh, of income for parents it's very frustrating
3: so when i talk about this review simon and what you're looking at for snow days and again we're speaking to the St. river school division co-superintendent about the fact they've had eight snow days here rurally this has been a big issue for a lot of manitobans 8 10 11 12 snow days are you looking at changing the snow day policy or more about talking to your schools and saying, look, we have the technology in place to do a little bit of remote. Maybe when we get to a certain number of school days, we're going to have to connect with the kids online.
7: Yeah, these are the conversations we're having uh, with uh, the teachers, the principal and the school board uh, on Tuesday is going to look at uh, the, have conversations about their policies um, that were put in place. Uh, for, they've been in place for a long time now, uh, and they were put in place because of uh, going. There was issues the uh, in, in the past in terms of what we were doing. So, uh, with the technology being uh, what it is now and and available to students, I think it's time to have this conversation and review uh, how we're going to handle those snow days. Because for the most part. They're fairly predictable. It's sometimes they're not, but for the most part, we can be ready as a as a community, as a as staff, uh, knowing that more than likely there'll be a snow day the next day. So these are a conversation we're having right now with all stakeholders in the division.
1: Simone, uh, we've been talking about the the kindness and lack thereof on social media. You know, you you might be painted as the Grinch. If you try and take away these snow days, kids <laughs> ch- kids cherish these things. Are you prepared for the backlash?
7: I'm always prepared for the backlash, <laughs> sir. And, 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 and frankly, I had lots of conversation yesterday with parents. Most parents wanted school to be open. I had conversation with parents who felt that today we should be closed. And <laughs> you, you know what? You can never please everybody. In the end, uh, I have to make these decisions. And I live with my decision, and I, that's my responsibility. I follow the policy, I follow the regulation. I have conversation with my colleagues, and we make a decision. And it's all about the safety of the kids, always safety of the kids and the staff. So if uh, if people call me a Grinch, go right ahead. I'm good with that. <laughs>
2: Simon LaPlante, is co-superintendent of the Seine River School Division, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Simon, thank you very much for this. We appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Mackling McGarry McNabb, we're talking about Winnipeg and Manitoba pop culture references after David Letterman popped up a couple of days ago wearing a 2019 Winnipeg Blue Bombers Grey Cup champion toque, and we're asking you to share with us your favorite manitoba pop culture references and we got countless people pointing to this moment from the simpsons
3: you kids
2: can't keep
6: your heads to yourself i'm gonna turn this car around and there'll be no cape canaveral for anybody that's it back to winnipeg
2: I'm curious to know how far they were on that uh, trip.
3: <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's, like, it's, were they
1: at
2: Fargo or the, were they
1: exactly. you know, all the way? Were they at, you know, were they in, at, uh, you know, uh, were they in uh, Nebraska or like, yeah, that's a great question, Brett.
3: It's We always say this in our house when we're about to like lay down the law for the kids, like, it has to be something we're prepared to live with, right? Like, that's it. There'll be <laughs> no TV for a week. It? And then you're like, oh God, am I really going to take away the TV? For <laughs> you end up a week? punishing yourself on
1: that one, exactly.
3: right? <laughs> Exactly.
2: <laughs> um, also, I, this one made me chuckle, and I had to make sure to get this one in uh, because this listener says a few years ago on The Young and the Restless, the soap opera, there was a bottle of Crown Royal placed on the bar.
3: Oh, yes.
2: Yet another reason uh, why I know to Nikki, enjoy your and Nikki
1: wasn't dr- drinking that. She drinks vodka. So
3: <laughs> straight in the glass with, wa- like, straight. it's water.
2: She, does. She still cry every show. By the way, like she, I don't think there's any actor on planet Earth who has cried more than that woman in that character.
3: Yeah, she's a test she's a market chance. for mascara. That's like whenever <laughs> mascara companies put out new mascara, they send it to the YNR, and if it can stand a day with Nikki, <laughs> Nikki Newman. <laughs> They're good to go.
2: Um, and, Lauren, do you see Lisa's
3: text here? I do see Lisa's text. Okay, so Lisa texted to say, During COVID, we have been watching Law & Order reruns, which has really stood up over time, she says. And an SUV, SVU episode had the following reference. Barbara sees a disc called Winnipeg Nights. <laughs> which was a movie that was supposed to be shot in Canada but was never made. Only one girl named Maud Peterson was asked to audition. When the detectives head up to Canada to speak with her, Maud states that she met Adam on Vine and came to Winnipeg, spending the weekend in his hotel room, saying that he was going to make her into a star.
2: Wow! So do they
3: get? does that person get murdered in Winnipeg? Thanks.
2: <laughs> that's pretty elaborate. <laughs> um, but that's cool, Winnipeg Nights. I'll read Herb's, and then, Greg, you can read the winners. Uh, Herb says an episode of Get Smart where Agent 86 and Agent 99 enter the chief's office. The chief takes them over to a sh- show a map of North America where there are pins dotted throughout the U.S. where chaos agents were located. And Max surveys the map and notices a lone pin. Why is there a pin in Manitoba? As he pulls the pin out of the map, all the pins crash to the floor. Then he says, it was holding up the map. (laughs) So I don't, uh, I haven't seen that, but that's fantastic. I'm going to have to look that up. Uh, But Don's our winner.
1: Chief, what's with all these chaos agents up in Manitoba?
7: (laughs) Don is the winner.
1: Yeah, Don is the winner. I'm not sure if this is pop culture or not, but I love The Price is Right. I work from home these days and have taken to this popular game show. I'm a proud Winnipegger. Imagine my excitement when a prize on the show last week was a trip for two to Winnipeg, Canada it included a stay at a downtown hotel. Tickets to a Jets game. They showed a great picture of the Provence Bridge, the Human Rights Museum, along with the Golden Boy. It was very cool. Yes, I have totally nerded out. Jim took did a deep dive on this situation it was the Alt Hotel, how it all came together. And I think this just encapsulates how we all feel when we see Winnipeg or Manitoba and these pop culture references. Too many to list was a great set of text messages, but Don is our winner, Brett.
2: Congratulations, Don. $20 gift card, Santa Lucia pizza. (laughs) Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, heads up. The Clay Man, Clay Young, is filling in for Jim Toth today on the Jim Toth Show from one until three, so that should be fun. And I don't know though, actually, if, if Jim Toth will be on Jets at Noon, co- co-host, because I think no, there I was think so. a, there was a situation uh, recently where he did the Jets at Noon, Jets at Noon on the phone, but then KK filled in uh. Uh, from one until three. So, yeah.
3: I don't know why I just was so emphatic there. Nope, he's not. <laughs> I'll text him and let him know.
1: <laughs> zero say on this. Are you of... filling in on Jets at Noon, that yeah, What's going yeah. on? Did you, you want to make that announcement takes, right now?
3: Hot takes on Shifley, Cop and Connor coming up at 12 o'clock. Fire them all. No, wait. Oh, Two of them are good. Boy, there was Hang on. Hot takes <laughs> three on of them Shifley are good. Yesterday. but One of them should go. Two out of three ain't bad. That'll be the theme of the Jets at Noon with me.
2: <laughs> um. Moving from the Jets to the Bombers, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, of course, a huge part of our culture and our identity. Many of the best players in the history of the team and the Canadian Football League aren't Canadian. They are born and raised in the United States.
3: Yeah, and and many American-born players will come to Canada for a season, maybe two, intent on catching the attention of scouts in the NFL, Then there are those, others who embrace their success and their profile in the community. And over the years, many former and current Blue Bombers with American passports have just decided to make Winnipeg home, Greg.
1: That's right. And the Bombers, of course, claimed their 12th ever Grey Cup championship last December in Hamilton. Americans playing the Canadian game has a long history. It goes all the way back to at least 1935 when Winnipeg claimed its first Gray Cup. Our next guest is an educator with a Master of Fine Arts and Creative Writing from Minnesota State University in Moorhead. He's also a member of the Professional Football Researchers Association and has more than 30 years' experience as a journalist, technical writer, creative writer, editor, and publisher. We welcome to our program the author of The Border Boys. It features Winnipeg football legend Fritz Hansen on the cover. We say good morning to Ryan Christensen. How are you, Ryan? Oh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. You betcha. Before we dig deeper into the stories in this book and, and what was the uh, catalyst for, for this investigation, if you like, Ryan, this is a color picture of uh, Fritz Hansen. Is this a Winnipeg uniform that he's in? Because it's green and gold.
8: Right. That's North Dakota State uh, University colors. And so actually the picture was black and white uh, originally, uh, but it was colorized and he's in his North Dakota State University uh, uniform.
1: Okay. So I was a little panicked, but I know there's a story that you've been telling about how the blue bombers actually ended up in blue and gold because did, Mm -hmm. did, did the Winnipegs start out wearing green uniforms once upon a time?
8: Isn't that awful? They were wearing green and white. And, um, and you know, part, part, there's a funny story with that. Um, at, they were wearing green and white, but they were not in the, West, uh, the Western semifinal. Uh, the one season, I think it was uh, 1932, if I recall correctly, but the St. John's Rugby Football Club was, was playing uh, the Regina Rough Riders. Back then, Regina was uh, black and red. And they show up to play in Winnipeg against St. John's, and they forgot their uniforms. So guess what? They wore green and white and played St. John's because they were wearing Winnipeg's uniforms at the time. And then they absolutely destroyed St. John's. And so if you think about the whole color mix there and the fact they were wearing Winnipeg's uniforms and Regina won that game, there's no wonder why this rivalry between uh, Saskatchewan and Winnipeg goes you know, really deep.
1: So the green and white of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, let me get this straight, actually originates in Winnipeg.
8: Uh, no, it's, that's not where it originates, but it's just a happenstance that they wore green and white that day.
1: Okay.
3: Oh, All right. You wanted so bad for that to be the case, didn't you, Greg? I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I
8: did, I did too.
3: <laughs> Okay, so we want to ask about the Blue Bombers. You know, they've, they've won two consecutive Grey Cups with Winnipeg. Sorry, but the fact that Manitobans, sorry, they like to vacation in North and South Dakota. And I skipped ahead in some of the things I'm reading about here. So apologies for that, Ryan. um, Can you tell us how players from North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, you know, end up making history here in Winnipeg?
8: Absolutely. So um, what happened in the 1930s is uh, the various clubs in Winnipeg ended up merging into the Winnipeg Club. Um, You know, it was during the Great Depression. You know, it's not exactly understood why they ended up merging. Um, But they had already acquired a couple of American players in Russ Rebels and Greg Kabat. Um, And and they actually had uh, both of those as well as Carl Cronin in 1933 when they played in a Grey Cup semifinal against Toronto. Um, But, but, you know, that that didn't get them far enough, right? And so um, at the same time, though, what people... Um, maybe don't understand is that Regina was actually hiring a lot of Americans as well. And they were hiring a lot of Americans from North Dakota and South Dakota, uh, uh, some from Montana. And um, when uh, in in fact, in the uh, Western semifinal in 1935 on the way to the Grey Cup, uh, Regina had eight Americans and Winnipeg had nine. So it wasn't like, you know, Winnipeg was overpowering everyone else with Americans. It's just they they just had better Americans. And um, but the Americans that the Winnipeg's picked up, um, they're all uh, or th- uh, four of the major ones are from Fargo, North Dakota and Moorhead, Minnesota, which straddle each other there on the Red River, which you guys are familiar with. And um, uh the the reason why these guys went up there is because there's a guy from Concordia College named Bob Fritz uh, who won a couple of championships for Concordia, and Concordia uh, back in the 30s uh, played uh, Winnipeg, and so um, Winni- Winnipegers were real familiar with Bob Fritz. He was this natural leader on the field. He was kind of the Patrick Mahomes of his time. He could he could uh, he was ambidextrous. He could throw with both both uh, both arms, and um, he, he you know, they liked him and Joe Ryan, who was running the Winnipeg Club, he came and sought out Bob Fritz and said, Hey, um, do you know anyone else uh that could play up here? And and at that time Concordia would begin their season playing North Dakota State University every year and Bob Fritz knew about Fritz Hansen. He said, Well, yeah, you need to have Fritz Hansen and so, you know, kinda that's the rest of the story. And there was there was um other players, of course, Americans that came up there and, and there's uh, it, it depends. It, uh, Winnipeg had played a bunch of different teams um, down south here because, um, like I said, they had all merged into one team up there and they didn't have anyone else to play. So they ended up playing across uh, teams from across the border. Um, and as a sidelight, there, sort of a related issue there, University of Manitoba that season in 1934, uh, they hired a coach from the University of Minnesota. And they played the entire season by American rules.
2: Now, the Blue Bombers, they've won two consecutive Grey Cups with Winnipeg-born players as critical pieces of their roster. But one of the the most popular Blue Bombers in recent history, Chris Strebler, who played quarterback at the University of South Dakota. And plenty of Manitoba-born players have played at the University of North Dakota. So it would seem (laughs) there is still a tie that binds.
8: Well, oh, absolutely. And, and actually, the, um, uh, the games between Man- uh, teams in Manitoba and North Dakota go back uh, to the early 20th century. Um, and so there, it, it was kind of an ongoing thing. And, um, and so, yeah, so there's a, actually a lot of history there with, um, with cross-border, uh, you know, crossings for players and also playing each other with the different teams.
1: We had a, a story just the last couple of weeks about a woman in Winnipeg who purportedly put a hex and, a, and a, a spell on the Minnesota Vikings back in the 60s when they stole Bud Grant from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So, of course, there are lots of Winnipeggers <laughs> who have season tickets with the Minnesota Vikings. So they're sort of a regional team here. So just what made you so interested to go down this path and to investigate this book?
8: Well, part of that is, you mentioned the Vikings. I'm a Vikings fan, a Minnesota Vikings fan, um, and I knew about Bud Grant, um, you know, being uh, from, you know, had, had coached up in uh, Winnipeg and had great success, and at some point, it was about, you know, five years ago, four years ago, I decided, you know, Winnipeg is about the same distance from Fargo as Minneapolis is from Fargo. I could follow the B- Blue Bombers, too, so I started attending games up there. And I was up there in 2018 when they inducted Fritz Hansen into the Ring of Honor, and um, I was like, "Who's Fritz Hansen? Who's this guy?" You know, I mean, I was from America, I didn't in the United States, I didn't know anything. So I started investigating, and I uh, it started to blow my mind uh, that you know who this guy was, just how good he was. And my driving force behind this book was why don't I know this stuff? And so um, I really wanted to share who Fritz Hansen was with the people down here. And then when I, what I discovered about how the team formed and everything up there, I thought, I really need to share this information with the people up in Winnipeg because I'm not so sure they, they know every little detail about how the 1935 Winnipeg Blue Bombers came about.
2: The book is called Border Boys. It's written by Ryan Christensen. Ryan, where can we get the book?
8: It's on Amazon Canada, Amazon.ca. Uh, Canadians get uh, actually, if you do the dollar conversion uh, between the two, uh, you actually pay a little bit less than Americans do, is what was pro- from what I understand.
2: <laughs> oh, Canada, indeed. Ryan Christensen, thank you very much for joining us this morning. This has been fascinating.
8: Okay, thank you very much for having me on.